Do you hear the people sing, singing a song of angry men? It is the music of a people who will not be slaves again. Friend, the beating of your heart echoes the beating of a drum. There is a light about to start when the morning comes. I remember where I was sitting. I think my back was against the wall of the Kentucky Theater in Louisville, Kentucky, when I first heard that live. My mom had sprung for tickets to Les Miserables when I was in high school just a few years ago. We drove from Lafayette, Indiana, all the way to Louisville, Kentucky, just so we could see the show. I remember to this day the feelings that I had. I might have been in the almost very back row, but it seemed like I was right there. Things captivated me on the, on the stage. I had, I mean, you could see it as it moved around, as the, guy, as the actors moved and, and danced, and as how the, uh, um, the barricade came down and closed there on the stage. The music, I remember tearing up at the very end as they, as they sang the different parts, whether it be um, Cosette singing or um, whether it was Jean Valjean at the end singing that beautiful lyric that continues to haunt me to this day. To love another person is to see the face of God. Changed me. Changed me. I went off to Purdue University, many of you know this, to be an engineer. I was going to be an astronaut, aeronautical engineer of some kind. Made it into freshman engineering. Realized that I probably wasn't going to be an astronaut. Then I realized I probably wasn't going to design the space shuttle and all this stuff. And, and I thought, but there seems to be this desire in me to build something and to make something. And so I began looking and searching and, and worked and finally found myself in theatrical design and technology. It was designing sets and lights and sound systems, knowing the, knowing the physics behind all of that and the structures and things. It was great for me. I loved singing, I loved acting, and I loved being a part of the theater. So I know when I speak about this, when we continue the series and when we came to this place of musicals, I knew that it would be something that I could resonate with, with my passions. But the thing is, is that I also recognize that it's a larger thing than just of us who are those theater geeks, as they're called, or the musical nerds, the ones that hang out at the choir, in the choir room all the time, the cool people. You know what I'm talking about. But there's something about musicals. There's something about whether it be a film or whether it be on the stage. There's something that captivates us about that. I mean, the fact, too, that we know that it does resonate also with young people. How many of you, you have kids or grandkids or friends that have sung, let it go, let it go, till you're sick in the head? I mean, that stuff just sticks with you, Right? But the thing is, there's something powerful about this way of telling stories, this way of engaging us as people, and yes, I believe even people of faith. The story that was told today that uh, Marjorie shared for us is that story that we might know and we might be familiar with. Um, whether it be from Charlton Heston, kind of this idea of putting the, the, the water or the staff up and the waters part and, you know, the, 
the, the Israelite people move across on dry land. That might be where you remember it. You might not remember Miriam the prophet. This is just a little aside, but those of you who say that women have no place speaking in church, this is at the very beginning of the Bible, and God says, Miriam's a prophet. She speaks for me. So remember that next time someone tells a female to be quiet in church. But here's the thing. This story that we find ourselves on the shores of the Red Sea, it goes back even further. You might remember this, especially if you've seen the musical Prince of Egypt, which I highly recommend. But if you remember, Moses, when he was born, because he was an Israelite male, he was born in bondage. Because God's people back then, even though they had gone to help out in Egypt, Joseph had gone and helped them make their way through the famine, helped them to become part of that community, they began to rise up and to become more numerous. And the people there in, Israel, in Egypt that were Egyptians looked at the others and said, they're not like us. And so they began to be fearful of someone who was outside of their community. And so they placed them in bondage. And we know the story about how they then became slaves and built the bricks for the Egyptians. Well, they were afraid because they were growing to be so many. And so they began to kill the firstborn Israelite males. And so to save Moses' life, his sister Miriam goes down into the rushes and puts him in a basket and floats him out into the water till he is discovered by an Egyptian royal family. And he's raised as one of the Egyptians. Remember this story? But then as he grows up, Moses realizes that he's not just real comfortable in his skin. This is just not who he is. And so he escapes, he leaves, and he goes out into the wilderness, out into the, out into the side to, to raise sheep and to help care for them. And you remember the story, we're keeping going. He sees a bush. Bush is on fire. Remember that? Yeah, remember? And so he goes up to the bush, and when he's there, the bush speaks to him and says, you will go and you will speak for me. Moses, Moses is like, no way, that's not who I am. I'm not that kind of person. I don't talk well in front of folks. No. God says, yes. And so Moses says, okay, if I'm going to go, I need to know something. I need to know who is it that's sending me. And if you remember, God says, I am who I am. And he sends he sends Moses to speak. And now, and throughout all the, the plagues, and, and finally the Egyptians relent and send the Israelites off, and we find ourselves at the, at the shores of the Red Sea. This story has this beautiful arc that just hovers over all of the stories that we just know and that, that we kind of can remember, even though we don't know where we remember them from, this story of identity, of who we are. Moses struggled with who he was, 
Even the Israelite people, when they were there in Egypt, they didn't know who they were. They didn't realize that God was hearing their cries, that God was with them throughout all of this. They had forgotten who they were. And even when they get to the edge of the, of the shores of the sea and they've been freed and they make their way out into the wilderness, it takes 40 years. It's not because they're lost. It's because they're lost inside. They're trying to figure out who it is that they are. They're trying to discover their own identity, who they are as a community. That's what the, the Ten Commandments is all about. It's all about what that manna story is about. It's all about what's happening when the water is fed to the people where they find, you know, they find a temple and they begin to, to worship. This is all about finding out who they are inside. That is the narrative that traces all of this. And I might even say even to today, when we find ourselves in our own wilderness places wondering who it is that we are, when we look ourselves in the mirror and we recognize that there is no perfect choice, but we look ourselves in the mirror and we say, what choice can we make in our daily lives that resonates with who we truly are? I'm fascinated with theater because it gives us that opportunity to ask that question in different ways. Music, we all know, is powerful. I mean, from little on, we recognize that we want to sing, that we want to dance, that we want to have this inside of us. I feel like that the older that we get, the more we kind of stifle that down. I knew Beckett was feeling better this last week when he said, Dada, when we get home, we're going to have a dance party. I was like, great, he wants to dance. Now I'm sitting, oh my gosh, he's going to watch me dance. I can do the box step. But that's not much. But, you know... It's ugly, but it, you know, that's the thing. We, we stifle that down. What does it mean to find that inside of us that resonates with the music that moves us in that way? But then also when you pair that with the lyrics of someone singing, I'm so grateful for those that are singing today because what they do is they're not only just, re, you know, just giving it right back to us, they're putting into part of it who they are. Sharing that, that's something that's beautiful, especially about musical theater, is that every time you watch this, when we engage with it, there's a relationship that happens between the performer, the person that's embodying this role, and who we are. We're invited at that time to engage in that moment, to experience the emotions, the things that they're going through. And that's the thing that's fascinating, especially about the ways that theater has changed. One of the things that I find beautiful is that um, Jesus Christ Superstar is something that transformed the church in a powerful way because it took the stories that we had seen and read and experienced in church and put it to music. Now, there was all kinds of crazy kind of like wonderings and also frustrations. And some people are like, that's what Jesus looks like? Jesus has long hair? There's electric guitars? Oh no, that would never happen. It engaged us, though. It began to get us to think about this. And the way that Mary Magdalene sings in that play, in that, in that, in that play the musical, is gut-wrenching and just brings you in. I've watched it change as well. 
theater has become, in a way, so, so personal. And we come to this place today that I hope that you find moments that you can expose yourself to these things. Because the ways that stories are told now with the music and also with the theater and the drama around it can speak to us and take us to places that we can engage in understanding who we are as humanity and in relationship with God and relationship with the rest of our community that are powerful and that are life-changing. Andrew Lloyd Webber was a name that was huge whenever I was a kid. Phantom had just come out a little while before that. Evita was around. I mean, he even did Starlight Express. And, but he started, I don't know if you knew this or not, he started in the church. He was a church musician, taught little kids music. And he wanted to make it fun for them. He wanted to teach the stories. And so Andrew Lloyd Webber decided to put some silly little tunes together, and he wrote this musical called Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. It's one of my first roles. I was Gad, one of the brothers. But even to this day, watching folks come out of the church or watching them come out of the world to ask deep questions about living, to ask deep and profound questions questions about what it means to be human can challenge us and can engage us in deep and spiritual ways. Do you know who you are? I'm still learning each and every day. My prayer, my prayer, folks, is that we continue to let these things in our lives that we come in contact with change us and move us to a place where we reflect God's love, compassion, grace, humanity, all of these things in a more powerful way. I'm grateful, grateful for the ways that musicals have affected me, but also the ways that they've changed me. What a gift. Grateful for figuring out who we all are together. Amen. Thank you for listening to the White Oak Pond Christian Church Podcast. We hope that it's been a blessing to you this day. White Oak Pond seeks to be a place where we accept one person at a time to Christ's never-ending and forgiving love. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive sermons each and every week. And also rate us. It really helps. Thank you again, and may you know joy in powerful ways this week.